So how have you been? Seems like, seems like it's been a while since I have been here. Two weeks ago we were in North Carolina, and I don't know what you did last week, but I spent last week with 32 middle schoolers. 32 middle schoolers. So perfect for you, huh? Yeah, so perfect for me. At Michuana, our United Methodist camp in Winthrop, which is outside of Augusta. Um, I figured out this is my 20th year of counseling. Um, I missed a couple of years, the year Rachel was born. I didn't, no, I did that year, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> the year we moved here, I think I skipped that year. Anyway, um, almost all with middle schoolers. And um, I generally counsel with my friend Jeff Hunt, who until recently was the pastor of the United Methodist Church in Brunswick. He just recently moved with his family to, um, to Rochester, New Hampshire, to begin their ministry there. But we've been told that this age group suits us perfectly because our sense of humor hasn't advanced much beyond 13 years old, so we fit right in. Sarah told us that. Sarah told you that yesterday. She mentioned something. So we went swimming every day. We went out in canoes and kayaks and paddle boats. We played lots of crazy games. We tie-dyed shirts because what summer camp without tie-dye, right? We slept in cabins that were overpopulated with mosquitoes. We ate pancakes and chicken nuggets and curly fries and pizza. All the best camp. We had a great week. And I should mention also, while I was at Michuana this week, David also was at Michuana because in another part of the camp, while we were in junior high rally camp, <clears throat> David was counseling for the adult special needs camp. And I'll tell you a little bit more about adult special needs in a little bit, but you ought to have a conversation with David. Do you want to say a word or two, what that was like for you? Oh. I didn't tell him I was going to ask Hi. him. <laughs> uh, first of all, for everyone who are here, who get a chance to hear about for what happened in the Metroana camp, I wish you to be there. Okay. So for everyone here, do whatever you like. But if you get a chance to be alive, your life is still okay. Mm -hmm. On July, I wish you to be there. You will see what God is doing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Then, I want to say everything I saw, everything I did, uh, all is impossible. With God, all is impossible. I get experience. I have seen something miracle. It was a fun week. That's wonderful. And I'm so glad to hear that because I only caught glimpses of David like at mealtimes and stuff. I couldn't tell if he was having fun or not. <laughs> so I'm so glad to hear that he was having fun. Really, just something I want to say. I remember when I decided I have to be there, I was scared in my heart. I'm going to meet different people. Mm -hmm. I don't know English. What I mean, how they have a different accent. How I will understand the people. But maybe some people they can tell you. Yesterday, how the people they, they was crying. Mm -hmm. They needed to be with me. Mm -hmm. The how the people they was touching. One was catching here. One was here. <laughs> 
We need, we need you, David. I want to go with you. I know that's amazing. I can't believe. <coughs> so, I saw it very hard to help us. They are talking about, but believe me, I thank you God for everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see, love is the same in every language, right? Love transcends language. Love, yes. So, in junior high rally camp this week, we focused on the theme. Give peace a chance. We were talking about what it means to be peacemakers in a world with so much conflict and violence. And just to give it a little extra fun, we gave it a 1970s spin. So we did all the 1970 things, disco music, lava lamps, tie-dye, and um, I'll just show you a few pictures to illustrate here. These are some of our campers. 32 campers, and all the fun we had. There were over 200 people at Mechuana last week. All together, the photography camp and cross-country running camp and scrapbooking camp, special needs camp, um, some times of worship and celebration, playing some crazy games. This was, this was a game that involved tossing a rotten banana over your head. You can do those things with middle schoolers, right? And this one that ended with shaving cream and cheese balls. This is why I love middle school. And here's our full group with our tie-dye shirts that we made at the end of the week. So 1970s theme, and yes, I was even caught sporting an afro a few times. Believe it or not, these three are all pastors. Wow. The other funny thing is Picture of Alan when he was in about middle school or high school, he basically looked like. <laughs> <laughs> so aren't you proud? Aren't you proud? The amazing thing for me every year, the same, is how willing these kids are from, to go from one minute tossing water balloons and spraying shaving cream at each other to the next minute exploring deep questions about life and faith, back and forth, and they just flow with it. We work really hard at Mechuana to create a, an inclusive community where all the boundaries that keep people separate from one another, in school particularly, you know, the athletes, the band geeks, the nerds, all those categories, all those boundaries dissolve. And we are one in Christ for the week. And it's amazing to see the transformation that happens. At the end of the week, they, every year, same thing, never fails, they say things like, this is a place where I can be fully myself. Yeah. I don't have to pretend I'm someone I'm not, and I don't have to worry that I'm being judged. That is, for middle schoolers, that is huge. This is a place where I can be fully myself, where I don't have to pretend I'm someone I'm not, and I don't have to worry about being judged. This is what happens at Mechuana and so many places like that. And isn't that what we all really want in the end? To be able to be fully ourselves, just as God created us to be. To not have to feel like we have to pretend that we're something we're not. To know that we are loved and accepted and valued as children of God. To feel like our lives have meaning and purpose and that our lives count for something. Isn't that something we all want? It's pretty universal. 
So today we are continuing a worship series that Sarah started last week while I was getting ready, bracing myself for middle schoolers. Uh, a worship series called The Questions of Jesus. Anybody remember from last week, Sarah said how many questions of Jesus are recorded in the Gospels? Anybody remember the number? 307. 307 questions that Jesus asked that are recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anyone who spent any time in the Gospels knows that Jesus had this habit of asking questions. Sometimes people would come up to him and they would ask him a question, and what would he do? He'd answer with a question. That's sort of a way of deflecting, but actually it's brilliant, because what it does is it's like saying, you have the answer within you. You just need to dig for it. I'm not going to give you the answer. I want you to stay with the question and reflect on it a little bit. And sometimes to generate um, conversation, Jesus would throw out a question. Sometimes it was more rhetorical, but a lot of times Jesus really wanted um, an answer. And the amazing thing is that 2,000 years later, these questions that Jesus asked are as relevant today as they were when Jesus asked them, for the most part. 2,000 years have passed. We're on the other side of the planet. If we were to travel back in time and space to, to Jesus' life and times, we would barely recognize the way people lived. Life is so different. But we would recognize human nature, wouldn't we? Because human nature is human nature is human nature. Some things don't change. So the questions Jesus asked get at profound issues of human nature about life, about faith, about what it means to be in relationship with God, and those are as relevant today as they were when Jesus asked them. So last year, Sarah, last week, Sarah shared part of this quote, and I wanted to share the whole quote. This is by Reiner Maria Rilke, who wrote, Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart, and try to love the questions themselves. I'm just going to stop there for a second, because we don't really love questions. We love answers, right? We are quick to try to get to the answer. Questions make us uncomfortable. Try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms, and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers, which cannot be given you, because you would not be able to live them. Jesus said something like that, actually. I have much more to teach you, but you wouldn't understand it. So Jesus said toward the end of his life. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. <clears throat> Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. I know that's pretty deep, but what do you think this author is saying here? What do you take away from that? That you grow up all through your life. Yeah. And not that you ever get all of the answers, but things are showing. Yeah, things are revealed. Right? And um, uh, accepting that whatever you're going to learn is going to be that way. Okay, yeah, absolutely. But life isn't a product, it's a process. Life isn't a product, it's a process every day, right? What else do you take away? Yeah. Just trust in now. Trust in now, yeah, because that's really all we have, right? <laughs> trust in now, the here and now. We're so anxious for whatever's next. <clears throat> Stay in the now. I always think about the phrase, walk humbly with God. We're not so good at that. We would love to have, all, have it all sealed up and in a box. 
I get nervous when we think we have all the answers and we think we've figured it out. Live with the questions. I think that's partly what Jesus was saying. So last year, last week, why do I keep saying last year? It feels like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long week. It was a long week. It was a long week. It's a jump from the 70s to the... <laughs> last week, Sarah um, reflected with you a bit on the question, what are you looking for? That was a question Jesus asked some of his would-be disciples. What are you looking for? And it's an important question, because if we don't know what we're looking for, we can be sure we will never find it, right? What are you looking for? Today... I'm going to share, I think that was from the Gospel of John last week. Today I'm going to share some words from the Gospel according to Matthew, um, chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. So listen for the questions. This passage I'm going to read has a whole bunch of questions. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Did you catch that? That was a question. And that's a good question for middle schoolers, right? Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Middle schoolers, food, clothes. Those are big. <laughs> Look at the birds of the sky. Don't they sow seed or... Sorry. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Did you catch that? That was another question. Yeah. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So there are a bunch of questions packed into those ten verses. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes, Jesus asks? And of course, that's a rhetorical question, and the answer is, well, yeah. <laughs> the body is more than food, and, and uh, sorry, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. But it begs a deeper question, doesn't it? And that is, then what is life? If it's more than food and clothes, what does your life consist of? That's a question we all ought to reflect on. If someone asked you that question, what does your life consist of? What would you say? Food and clothes. Food and clothes. <laughs> That's a start. Sleep. Sleep. Eating and sleeping. Eating and sleeping. Relationships. Relationships. Yes. What else? Children. Children. Love. Love. <laughs> 
You can spend a little time with that question. What does your life consist of if you had to boil it all down? Jesus asked, aren't you worth much more than they are? Do you remember what the they was? The birds. Now we don't have to get into a competition about whether God likes the birds more than the people. God created it all and God called it all good. But do you hear what's under that? Jesus is saying, do you know that you are loved? Do you know that you are valued by the God who created you? Do you know that you are being held in the palm of God's hand? Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? Now listen, you don't waste your time and energy worrying, do you? Ever? You don't waste your time and energy worrying, right? Only all the time, right, Monique? <laughs> Okay, how many of you would say that you struggle sometimes with worrying? It's pretty human. It's pretty human. I think many of us live with this kind of dull, nagging sense of worry that just kind of follows us around from day to day. Here's a confession. Sometimes I wake up in the morning. This is a true story. I wake up in the morning and I think, I know I was worrying about something. <laughs> and I have to remind myself of what it was I was worrying about so that I can pick it up again. <laughs> this is crazy, but we do this. So what's the... You don't have to, because it just... It's there. It's there. So I should be thankful I can set it aside to sleep, sleep, right? In my sleep. Yeah, because nothing keeps me awake. So what's the antidote to worry, then? Faith. Give it to God. Prayer. Turning it over. Hey, we just have to remember, we are, we're in control of something, but we're not in control of everything. So turning it over. Someone said that prayer, that worry is energy directed negatively, and prayer is energy directed positively. I saw, um, actually on the desk in the office, somebody scratched on a piece of paper, I don't even know who wrote it. But it said something like this. It said, um, don't just pray in desperation, but pray for connection. So it's good to pray when we're desperate, right? Because what else can you do? But don't just pray in times of desperation. Then keep praying and, and, and continue to nurture that connection. Because that's the thing that carries you through for the next time that you're desperate, right? Prayer, I think, is a great antidote for worry. Jesus said, and why do you worry about your clothes? And maybe, if you, maybe you don't worry about your clothes, but you can just insert whatever it is that you worry about. Why do you worry about that? Jesus asks. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? These are important questions Jesus asks. And what is he really getting at here? Let's just kind of boil it all down. What are the big themes that Jesus is exploring with these questions? You want to take a shot at that? What do you want? That was a question from last week. Lack of faith. Lack of faith, or encouraging them to have more faith. Yeah. Issues of themes of trust and of worry. That and God cares for us more than we can even imagine. Right. Remembering that we are cared for, loved, valued more than we can even imagine. 
using our energy to be positive may have a, a better, you know, result than using the same amount of energy to just keep kind of slogging in place and sure. the worrying. So sure. that's true. Thank God we'll take care of us. Remembering that. Who or what do we rely on? Who or what do we rely on? Where is our strength? Where is our hope? Where is our trust? Yeah. And I think underneath all of that, there's this, there's this big question, what is life really all about anyway? Is it about the clothes that you wear, the food you eat, or is it something deeper, something more profound? What do you want your life to count for? And Jesus ends that whole section that we read today with words like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Some have translated that God's justice because that's a tricky word. The word for righteousness and the word for justice, the same word. So if we seek after God's righteousness and God's justice, all those other things fall into place. Remember that song? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you, is the old language, right? These questions, I think, are, are important questions, and especially in times of tragedy. I'm sure many of you have followed the news this week of the tragic events in Aurora, Colorado, when a, when a quiet young man, 24 years old, honor student, PhD candidate, with no record of any kind of criminal activity apart from a simple traffic violation, enters a movie theater dressed in full body armor with a high-powered assault rifle, leaving a dozen dead and more than 50 others wounded. That raises all sorts of questions, doesn't it? It raises all sorts of questions. And they're questions that get at these issues of worry and fear and trust. I don't have answers to those questions. But one thing I do know is that in the, wherever there is pain, wherever there is suffering, wherever there is tragedy, God is there. We, the, the song that we sang at the beginning talks about God suffering with us, right? And not by your finger, not by your anger will our world order change in a day, but by your people, fearless and faithful. Do you remember the imagery that's used to describe God's people? Small paper lanterns lighting the way. That's our calling. So today we lift up in prayer the people of Aurora, Colorado, all those who are grieving the senseless loss of loved ones who just went to watch a movie, and those who are recovering. And we pray for that young man, too, because what is going through the mind of a young man to decide to do that? Tragedy always invites us to see things a bit more clearly, doesn't it? Kind of pushes away all the stuff that doesn't matter so much. It helps us to refocus our priorities. It invites us to think about what we want our life to count for, and what is essential, and what really matters. So I want to share those same words that I read a few moments ago. I want to share them from the message. This is Eugene Peterson's interpretation, and um, I find with the message that sometimes the passages are, you know, fairly, fairly close. You can follow along with this one. He goes way out there. <laughs> so I wanted to share it because I think it sometimes a little fresh spin gives us new eyes, new, new ears to to hear what God is saying. See what you think about this. 
If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, and more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God. Isn't that a great phrase? Careless in the care of God. And you, you count for far more to God than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, even gotten taller by so much as an inch? You ever try that? All that time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like that? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think God will attend to you? Take pride in you, do God's best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Got that? Relax and not be so preoccupied with getting that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way God works fuss over all these things. But you know God. You know how God works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Those are, those are good and important words for us. And this is why I think places like Mechuana are so important. Because they call, places like that call us away from life as usual. They call us away from our schools, for those who are in school. They call us away from our jobs, away from our homes, away from the TV away from all the influences that shape us, to consider some different ways of being, to consider what it means to be part of community where each one looks after the other, to explore questions and ideas that can have a transformative impact on our sense of priorities. So I mentioned that while we were at Mechuana this week, David was off with the adult special needs camp. Um, so we shared meals together, and on Thursday night, we shared a dance together. Now, I want you just to think about this for a minute. Middle school teenagers and special needs adults. This was magical. Because the special needs adults invited these 12, 13, and 14-year-old youth to just set aside all of their inhibitions. I mean, the kind that keep you from being fully who you are, right? The middle school youth, the adult special needs, they all dance together. YMCA, the twist, you name it, the special needs adults were asking our youth to dance on. Wasn't it great? And David was right in the middle of it. David was right in the middle of having a blast. 
It was amazing. So here's one camper. This is Peter. Yeah. And he fell in love with my friend Jim. <laughs> fell in love with him. Every time he saw him, this huge bear hug. Yeah. And let me say, this kid, he is strong. <laughs> Jeff, was, Jeff was covered in bruises by the end of the week. He'd see Peter running and he'd like curl up into the field position. But special needs adults have so much to teach us because they see things so much more clearly than the rest of us. And the things that they see clearly are the things that matter most in life. Things like trust, they get it. We struggle with it, they get it. Things like remembering to laugh, even if it's a nervous, you know, even if it's, you're not sure about things, remember to laugh. Things like remember to make new friends. What age is it where we stop thinking we can make new friends wherever we go. You know when you're a little kid, who's your best friend? Whatever kid's standing next to you, that's your best friend. But somewhere along the line, we put up these boundaries and we think, well, I have all the friends I need. I'm not taking applications right now. But the special needs campers just reminded us, keep making new friends all the time. They remind us of things like loving genuinely and unconditionally and without pretense. Like living fully present in the moment. Like looking for the gifts that today has to bring without worrying so much about the future. I said this is why I think places like Mechuana are so important, but it's also why places like Hope Gateway are so important. Because we need these reminders. How long does it take us to lose it? About 10 minutes. Right? We need these reminders. We need each other to come together and remind each other about what's really important to let the words of Jesus inform us and transform us and shape us into the people that God created us to be. We need each other, we need this place. We need those constant reminders. So these questions that Jesus asks in the sixth chapter of Matthew are important to us, are important. They invite us to think about what really matters. What do we want our lives to count for? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to explore these, some of these. We're not going to do, we could do a 307-week worship series. That would take us six years to get through all of Jesus. But we're just going to focus on a few of them over the next several weeks. And I want to invite you to live with the question a little bit over this week. Maybe you live with the question, what do you want your life to count for? Or if you don't like that question, come up with your own question that gets at this very human itch that Jesus was trying to scratch here about value and priority. Love the question, live with the question, and see if maybe, just maybe, gradually, without noticing it, you might live along some distant day into the answer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this community where we can come together to remind each other of the things that matter the most. We thank you for Jesus and the questions that he asked that help, help us to explore, even today, 2,000 years later, the things that matter the most about life. Help us never to stop living these questions. Keep us open to the insights that you have to share with us. Help us to walk humbly with you. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Gathering. We gotta sing first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you.